0: Last night I seen a commercial. I was looking for some commercials, and I seen Michael Jackson, and he was doing a Pepsi commercial. And this was like in 1983. You had to be old to remember these things. And I thought it was funny. They res- they, they had to rezo- uh, uh, resort to getting Michael Jackson, which is the biggest pop star of all time at the time uh, they did this recording. And it's the closest Pepsi ever got to Coke because they used him in their commercials. How many knew that? It's the truth. They're trying to get you to buy something at their store, trying to change your mind on what the best laundry detergent is, what the best toothpaste is, shampoo, frozen pizza, beverage, insurance, Geico. (laughs) I think there's a Geico commercial every time the TV breaks for a commercial. I want to show you this video today. How many remember the Pepsi Challenge? Yeah. How many ever took the Pepsi Challenge at home with your family? We did. We did. We took Pepsi, we took Coke, and, and, and we, we, we camouflaged them, or we'd pour them in cups where we couldn't see, them, and they'd set it before us, and, and we'd try this at home. First of all, I already know what Coke tastes like. So anything other than Coke, it was not Coke. And uh, Pepsi, in my opinion, this is just Pastor's opinion, this is a take a break from the sermon, tastes like a flat Coke. So there you go. We did this at home. We tried Pepsi was trying to change everybody's mind about Coke and Coke had been number one for so long and so they had the Pepsi Challenge. You heard their commercial, they said in all these taste tests, more people pick Pepsi. Well <laughs> we found out Pepsi lies too. So that's one of the things we found out about the challenge. And I'm not saying a cold Pepsi's not I mean you can drink that, but it, it's It's not as good as a cold Coke. Political parties are trying to sway you to get your vote. They want to convince you to think the way that they think. Right? They do agree with what their agenda is, right? There are organizations out there that demand you think like they do. Not only do they want to convince you that they're right, they want to condemn you if you have a disagreement with the way they believe. They want to throw out accusations of who you are because you don't think like they do. They want to tell you who you are and what you are based on not agreeing with them. You guys know this. You don't have to be quiet. Can I say this? We need to stay with the doctrine of the Bible. This is the book he wrote. It's the only book he wrote. He expects you to read this one book. Okay? But we got to stay with the doctrine of the Bible. We don't need to lean to the left. We don't need to lean to the right. We need to be convinced of the word and trust in the word, believe in the word, and never depart from it. The Bible teaches doctrine. How many knows that? You know that? The basic meaning of the term doctrine, if you were just wondering today, is teaching. Miss Margot, doctrine is what you was doing while you was a teacher. Desiree, Jordan, that's what you guys are doing. You're teaching, but it's doctrine. Whether it's math, whether it's science, it's doctrine. That's exactly what doctrine is. The assemblies of God teach doctrine from the Bible. Amen, Pastor. That's good. We call them the 16 fundamental truths or the 16 fundamental doctrines. Admittedly, there's more than 16 in the Bible. We know that. But if we get these 16 right, the rest of it's going to fall in place. Amen. I want to read them to you. Every assembly of God should be read these doctrines just every little bit so you understand what we believe. The assemblies of God in this church, your pastor believes this. All scripture is inspired by God. Every bit of it. There is only one true God. Number three, we believe and teach in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, we know about the fall of man. But number five... The salvation of man is taught also. Hallelujah. Six is the ordinance of the churches. The ordinance of the church is baptism. We had a baptism not long ago. And later on today, we're going to be taking communion. Another ordinance of the church. We preach and we teach that doctrine. Number seven, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, number eight, we teach the initial physical evidence that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues that no one taught us. Praise God. Number nine, sanctification. A lot of people believe once you're saved, that's it. You don't need any other help. You're there. You've arrived. I believe and the assemblies of God teach that sanctification is a daily progress. Hallelujah. I hear some amens. I'm still getting hot in here. It may just be the weather. Number 10, we teach, we believe the doctrine, the church, and its mission. Hallelujah. We teach and believe. Number 11, the ministry. Number 12, we believe in divine healing. Number 13, the blessed hope. Hallelujah. 14, the millennial reign of Christ. 15, the final judgment. And 16, the new heavens and the new earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the 16 fundamental doctrines or, uh, or fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. And I mention all that to show you that this is not something new that we're experiencing in the world. And I want to read my text to you. If you'll stand with me, it's Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Verse number 5 is where I'm going to start. We're in the New King James Version, and it says this. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. I'm going to tell you right now, put a piece of bread in your pocket and carry it around all the time. You'll be safe. Okay. That's just a joke. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we've taken no bread? That's why I say, just put some bread in your pocket. Hey, if it's money bread, hey, I'm from the 70s. You can put that bread in there too. Well, let's keep reading. Verse number 8. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, "Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you've brought no bread. Do you not understand or remember the five loaves or the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves and the 4,000? And how many large baskets you took up? Jesus is telling me, if I wanted bread, I would make some bread. I would have some bread. I would multiply the bread. Verse number 11. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to be aware of the leaven of the Philist- uh, Philistines, yeah, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then, then the disciples understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The doctrine, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The teaching that the world's trying to place upon you right now. The teaching they're trying to ingrain in your children at the school. The teaching, the doctrines of this world. He says, Beware. Father, I thank you for your bread of life today. I thank you for your word. It's already anointed. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me that I may speak with boldness, with the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that the seed of the word will go down deep into fertile ground and will grow from this day forward. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my sermon today is Tricked, But There's No treat tricked but there's no treat we've all heard the term trick or treat give me some candy or else or else has anybody did the or else have you have you uh, uh did something bad to somebody because they didn't give you a treat? miss medson there's the altar right there get them <laughs> trick or treat the children can go back with miss donna right now i'm sorry trick or treat I want to share with you today how the enemy of our soul is out to trick everyone. Yeah. He's not only out to trick the Christian, he's out to trick the sinner too. Because most, most people that doesn't claim to have Christ, they still believe they're living the right life. And their, their, their scales is what the Bible says over their eyes. And, and I want to tell you, there, the, he's out to trick you and there's no treat. And I want to tell you why. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin... Is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The payment for dying in sin is death. Does everybody understand that doctrine? That's a doctrine, that's a teaching of the Word of God. The payment for dying in sin is death, but God's gift to you and to me is eternal life. Praise God. We don't have to go to hell, God did not create hell for us, He created it for the devil. We don't have to go to hell, we choose our direction smoking or non smoking I heard one person say in our text Jesus is warning the disciples to be careful be aware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because their doctrine or their teaching the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to spread their doctrines their belief system their way of living their teaching by rejecting Jesus We live in a world that's rejecting Jesus today. Anytime you want to speak Jesus' name, somebody wants to oppose Jesus. It's not equal. I want you to hear my voice and I'll hear your voice. No, it's not that at all. They want you to hear their voice and you shut up. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were not happy to live their lives with their own beliefs. They wanted everyone to follow them. They wanted people to believe them and their flawed teaching and their flawed doctrine. They were being influenced by the same devil that's influencing this world today. (laughs) Jesus refers to them as leaven. I think it's raining outside. Leaven. Leaven is a substance, typically yeast, that is used in dough to make it rise. Everybody understand that? Here's what research taught me. People of the Bible did not have yeast as we know it. They mixed up flour, water, and added a tiny bit of leftover dough, the starter from the previous baking. The dough was sometimes left out to absorb the yeast, the fungus spores that are naturally in the air. How many knows who Louis Pasteur is? Thank God for him. What, 1800s, 1857 is what my note says. He did a lot of things in science, and one of them things was fermentation, understanding that. When I read this text, I realized that Jesus was speaking to his disciples about this religious sect. He was speaking about the people, the religious people of their day. And I want you to know we still have people distorting the word of God today. We still have the Pharisees and the Sadducees today. We do. They're trying to bind you up with the bondage in religion. God is all about freedom. Hallelujah. Don't be tricked into something like that. God's about freedom. But what I also realize, the enemy works through every vessel that will allow him to, saint or sinner. The devil was working through the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's still using people today. The devil's still using the religious of today to corrupt people, but he's also using other people to deceive us into thinking differently from the Word of God. Wow. When Jesus walked this word, earth, he was the living Word of God. Amen? We have to be aware that evil is among us every day. What's the Bible say about evil? 1 Thessalonians 5, The Bible tells us, Abstain from every form of evil and I I know I've I've read that scripture many times since I've been pastoring and I've read it in different versions and every one of them is say the same thing stay away from every form of evil keep away from every form of evil abstain from can it be any more plain if you tell your child to do something don't you expect them to mind Can it be any more plain? Stay away from every form of evil. The church world is being tricked by Satan. We're being deceived into thinking he's not really coming after us. And why would he come after Christians to try to deceive us? Because we already know the truth. So he's not really after me. Can't be after a pastor. Can't be after a church member be here on a Sunday morning with downpouring uh, rain. I mean, that's dedication to come to church on them. He can't be after me. He wouldn't dare try to trick me, right? How many knows the devil is a liar? He's the father of all lies. Everything he says is a lie and it's deceitful. John 8, 44 says, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The (laughs) Bible is very clear who the father of all lies are. And the devil, that's all he can do of it, lie. But still, the devil is always looking for ways to trip us up, try to trick us, deceive us. Basically, just trick us into thinking... Something may not be wrong, so we're going to try it. Peyton, you do a great job with that. I never look back at the screen. Did a good job with that. He tries to trick us. Here's what what got my spirit. He gives the illusion of something that's not really what it actually is. Go ahead, Peyton. Take a look at this. Wow. That's what the devil does. He gives us illusions. He gives the illusion of a good time in sin. He gives an illusion that will feel good and there's nothing wrong with it. Just try a little. Take a little puff. It won't hurt you. Take a little drink once in a while. It won't hurt you. Take a little peek on the Internet. It won't corrupt you. The devil's good at deception. He's good at tricking people. He's good at presenting an illusion that all is well. I love this one. He's a smart one. <laughs> Nancy, you better set your brains ahead a couple of words. Yes, sir. Uh, does that uh, mean adding or subtract? Oh, that's pretty right good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All's well is what the devil wants us to think. It's okay. Let me read this to you: Genesis 4 and 6. So the Lord said to Cain. Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And a desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Praise God. God gives us a warning and lets us know sin's at the door just waiting for us. But he also tells us that you should overcome it you should be able to get by that you you should rule over it is what he says that word dominion keeps popping up in my heart we're supposed to have dominion hallelujah hallelujah the devil's waiting for you tricking the saints tricking the world that all is well when all all the while he's rocking us to sleep hiding in our doorsteps looking for an opportunity to steal kill and destroy christians Hallelujah. He gives the illusion that things are okay. This movie's not that bad. Cussing's not that bad in that one. Going to this place is okay. Partaking in this or that will be okay. And all the while, the devil's declaring, all is well. You're okay. It's okay. You're good. And I like to throw in what he told Eve, and I paraphrase did God really say that? Did the word really say that? Yeah. Let me tell you what the word illusion means. An illusion is a distortion of the senses. Wow. An illusion is a distortion of the senses. That can reveal how the mind normally organizes and interprets sensory stimulation. Although illusions distort the human perceptive of reality, perception of reality, they are generally shared by most people. Here's some similar words: delusion, misapprehension, misconception, false impression, and deception. What is illusion in a simple term or simple words? A misleading image presented to the vision. Wow. Wow. A misleading image presented to the vision. That's why Peter said this, 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. That scripture right there lets you know the devil has bad intentions for you. One commentary said to be... Mentally self-controlled. Be awake and watchful. The devil's trying to devour you and he does this through deception, deceit, and tricks with us thinking that there might be a treat at the end. How many know God wants to help us? He wants to lead us and guide us so we're not tricked. Hmm. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In a world of darkness, we need to get into the Word of God. We need this lamp. <laughs> we need this light. The reason the devil's successful with his tricks is because Christians have let their guard down and believed the lies of the world and has used the world's moral compass instead of using God's holy Word. Lord, help us. Do I need to remind you that God's holy? He's called you to be holy. 1 Samuel 2 and 2, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Leviticus 19 and 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. 1 Peter 1 and 13, Therefore gird up the, uh, the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully. Upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, there's one more. First Peter 1 and 16, "Because it's written: "Be holy, for I am holy." When God started impressing on me about this sermon, he just talked to me about righteousness and being holy before him, and how far we've got away from that, and we think we just keep living our lives the way we want to live them, instead of the way God wants us to live them. It's not the way Drew wants you to live. It's what does the word say about this? What are our eyes seeing? What are our ears hearing? What are we doing with our hands that this, that this book is contrary to? We serve a God that's holy, and he's calling you and me to be holy. Holy in our family. Holy in our work. Holy in our house. Holy in our car. Holy in our speech. Holy in our actions. Holy in the morning and holy at night. Holy moly. Holy with the sinner. Holy with the saints. Holy at Walmart. Holy at church. Holy when you don't feel like it, and holy when you do. He's not just calling, he's demanding that his children be holy. He said, Be holy, for I am holy. Hallelujah. Pastor, what's it mean to be holy? Well, let me see if I can answer that for you. Too many Christians associate holiness with the clothes they're wearing or the hairdo they're wearing. That's not holiness. Holiness is defined as being separate or set apart. Hallelujah. God is holy in that he is set apart from everything that's not God. And God's people must be holy by being set apart from sin. Hallelujah. We can't compartmentalize God. I'll be a Christian on this day. I'll be a Christian when I'm at home. I'll be a Christian while I'm at church. But come Monday, I'm going to let them have it. We can't do that. We can't be holy when we want to be holy. God sees us all the time. I've been preaching the last couple weeks. He sees the best of us and he sees the not so best of us. Remember, he's always with you. He's always with you. He's with you in the front. He's with you in the back. He's with you to each side. He is with you at Walmart, Harp, St. Joe's, McDonald's, Target, Belkin AutoZone. He's with you. An entourage of heaven is with you. We can't just pick and choose when we're going to be holy. We have to be aware that the enemy is always looking for ways to trick us. So we must be holy. We must be righteous all the time. We have to live a consistent life before God while he helps us on our journey. Somebody says, I can't do it by myself. Good news. He's there to help you. He's with you. I want to close with this. We're in a season that the devil loves. The world says that October 30th is devil's night. October 31st is what they call Halloween. They say these two are the, are the biggest days for the church of Satan and Satan worshipers. Ephesians four twenty-seven says this, don't give place to the devil. Wow, we could preach that all day long. Don't give Him place in your home. Don't give Him place in your car. Don't give Him place in your heart. Don't give Him place in your family. Don't give Him place in anything you have to do with. And guess what? I live in this world. I live in this country. I'm not giving Him place on October 31st. I'm not giving Him place on October 30th. My Bible says, Psalms 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to let the devil rejoice in it. I'm going to rejoice with my God. I'm not going to let a rock cry out for me. I'm going to praise him for the day that he created. And I'm not going to celebrate a holiday called Halloween. I declare and proclaim that the devil doesn't get a day that God created. Let him create his own. (laughs) I'm tired of people being tricked into thinking that participating in evil things is okay or it's all right because you're a Christian. Or maybe God's going to overlook it. It's not that bad of a thing. Someone asked me, why do you have Fall Family Fest around Halloween? It's real simple. I said, because I'm not going to give place to the devil. I'm going to give an alternative for people to go to that's not evil and demonic. We're not celebrating Halloween and goblins and ghosts. We're fighting back against what the enemy has stole from us. <laughs> You've heard it over and over and over. Taking it back. Take back what the enemy stole from us. That's what we're doing on Tuesday night. We're going to take back what the devil's been stealing from us. I want people to know the truth about God. I want people to see that there's an alternative, alternative place they can go with their children, with their kids. Have a good time. Celebrate the fall. In Genesis, Adam and Eve were tricked by a serpent. From that time until now, the devil has been tricking people into thinking we don't have to live by what God says. I want to read this to you, Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, did he really say that? That's what he's saying right here. Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Did he really say that? How many knows that the devil likes to confuse you with things too? How many knows that God is not the author of confusion? Hallelujah. Next verse says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. I'm going to tell you, if you're not reading your Bible like I just read it, you need to start reading it that way. (laughs) Don't, Don't just read the word. You need to read it in context. Understand how he was you're not really going to die. He's a good God. He loves us. There's no way he'd, he's not going to send you to hell. And he deceives so many. He deceives so many. Verse 5 says, for God knows that in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Did God really say that? Can't we go ahead and live however we want to live? Can't we go ahead and live our lives the way we want? And God still love us? Absolutely, you can. Live however you want. Do whatever you want to do. God will still love you. But you're not going to heaven that way. He's never going to stop loving you. That's why he keeps giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to bring you in. And you keep choosing to walk away. Did God really say that? I printed this up in God's word translation. I just It speaks like Drew speaks. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Don't you know that wicked people won't inherit the kingdom of God? Stop deceiving yourself. People who commit sexual sins, who worship false gods, those who commit adultery, homosexuals, or thieves, those who are greedy or drunk, who use abusive language. Pastor, you're saying abusive language is a sin, absolutely. Or people who rob, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the word. That's the truth. You've heard the truth today. You've heard the truth. The world wants to tell you that the Bible's old-fashioned. Does God really believe that? Does God really expect us to live that way today? Does God really? I don't believe God's like that anymore. Can I tell you this is the book you're going to be judged by? Well, I'll live my life. And, you know, when it comes to an end big deal, I'll be dead and pushing up daisies. I'll have a party in hell and who cares about it. There's nothing fun with death, with death and no Jesus in your life. There's no fun in that at all eternal torment. Everything that I've spoken today is truth. Listen to this. My granny Abney, little white-haired woman, looked like a weeble wobble. She's about that tall. She used to say, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But the truth is, if God said it, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It settles it. You have a choice today to choose Jesus. You have a choice today to believe it or not believe it. He gives you that choice. But it doesn't matter what choice you make. If God said it, it's settled. When we start distorting the truth of God's word, it spreads into every aspect of our life. Just like the leaven, the yeast, just a little bit is what they would put in the dough. and It would spread through the whole dough. Talking about Dough, it's, that's a good thing. They were, they were making bread and it needed to raise. So we understand that. But Jesus referred to them and their doctrines, their teaching. And we need to understand we can't let the teaching of the world get inside us because it will ruin the whole. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me?